It's your future with Joyce Joya. Want to know what's coming and how to prepare for it? This show is for you. Armed with this information and these insights, our host Joyce Joya will help you make better decisions both personally and professionally. Joyce will cover all the trends, from social to economic, to workforce, and more. You will have a chance to get your questions answered in a segment we call, I'm Glad You Asked. This is one show you can't afford to miss. Now on Futures Television. It's your future with Joyce Joya. Hello and welcome to It's Your Future with Joyce Joya and Rom Gayoso, co-host. We are broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're listening to the show via podcast or watching us on TV, you too can be part of the conversation. Just visit our YouTube channel, and that is IMCI Magazine, where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futurestelevision.com. So don't be shy. Today, our topic is rethinking employment. We'll discuss a few topics, and among them, what's behind the great resignation, what are some of the implications for workers, for employers, and present a forecast for the future of work. So let me say a few words about the show. If you have a question about what's coming and would like to know or find out how to prepare for it, then worry no more. Our host, Joyce Toya, will share lots of valuable information, thought-provoking ideas, and some great insight about a variety of topics, and she will cover several emerging trends. And armed with this information and these insights, you are sure to make better decisions. Well, without further ado, let's welcome the star of the show, Joyce Jaya. Hello, Joyce. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you, Ram. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for being here with me uh, and the audience. So uh, I want to start off with one question, you know. Today's show is Rethinking Employment, and this is front and center in people's minds. Um, so first of all, I would like you to explain a term, a concept that is being tossed around the media very frequently. So what is the Great Resignation? I'm so glad you asked, Rob because a lot of people really don't understand what it means. They know that a lot of people left their jobs. And in fact, it was about 4 million a month in the United States for like three months in a row. Sometimes the great resignation is called the great reshuffling because what it, what it was and still is going on is that People are rethinking their, uh, their values, whether they feel appreciated by that particular employer. You know, during the COVID pandemic, many people reassessed their priorities. Family and friends went from here to here. They decided that they were no longer willing to tolerate being taken for granted by their employers. And so they decided that now was the time, especially since there were so many jobs available. 
And so, and that's why, by the way, CNBC calls it the great reshuffling because people did leave one job and they went to another. So the net uh, was not necessarily in the US a loss of people in the workforce. It was just that they moved around from place to place. It's, it's fascinating to think about what's behind the great resignation because it's all about people putting family first, people putting themselves first for one of the first times in their lives. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, could you please uh, explain this a little bit better? So what is really behind the great resignation? Well, you know, people had certain value systems. Uh, they, uh, I know I, when I was when I was early in my career, I put my career first. And that's something that I do regret now that I look back on my life. But others who had put work first are now saying to themselves, you know, I never really felt like my boss appreciated me. So I'm going to find a company that does appreciate me and the hours that I put in and the work that I do both on the job and off the job to prepare for the work that I do. And so they are looking for other places that they can land and they're finding them because what, what has happened is that many people are reevaluating their lives and they've left their employers. And what we're discovering is that employers are now paying a little more, which they could have done before, but they didn't have to. So they didn't do it. They're also understanding that it's more than just a paycheck, that people do want to be appreciated. It's about the culture. Is the culture one where we take care of each other? Or is it one where we just feel like we have to get the job done at all costs? Do we really take the time and make the effort to express that we care about each other. And, and you know, that really does make a difference to a lot of employees, a lot of workers. In fact, you know, it's interesting. I just, just uh, Sunday, I went and interviewed the manager of my local supermarket. The chain is called HEB, and it's only in five states. And a couple of places in Mexico, I think. And the, the chain is one that has an amazing reputation for really taking care of its people. And yet, and yet, they too were hurt by the great resignation. There were a lot of people who said, I don't need to do shift work. There's other work now that's available that it's that's Monday through Friday, eight to five or nine to five. And what's more, I don't even want to come into work. I want to find a job where I can do remote work. And you know what? They're finding them. 
Well, this is this is wonderful. But you know, when you talk about the great resignation or uh, the great uh, reshuffling, right? It it certainly impacts different people differently. So you know, how about single parents, or you know, how about families with a single breadwinner? How does that impact them? in in big ways and in small ways the big ways right now are that wages are up but so are expenses rents are up in some cases hundreds of dollars per month it's a big issue gas has virtually doubled in the last year in the united states and i'm certain elsewhere in the world as well childcare if you're lucky enough to live in Europe, then childcare is much less of an issue than it is for, uh, for employees and workers here in the United States. Here in the United States, childcare is a huge issue. And if childcare is made available, then employers will discover they will have a much easier time in filling the slots because People need childcare in order to be able to work if it's in a congregate workspace. And even if it isn't in a congregate workspace, I discovered when I was a single mom and working from home that it was really hard for me to get my work done when I had a kid tugging at my, at my sweater all day. And so I found a daycare that was outside of the house. And in spite of the fact that I was still working at home, I would bring my child to daycare. And it's, it's a decision that parents have to make. And I hope that the daycare that's available in your area is as high quality as I was able to find in New York at that time, because it does make a tremendous difference when you know that your child is well taken care of. And I want to, before I get off that subject, I want to talk one more thing, say one more thing. If a company is in a position to put daycare on site, wow. I mean, that means that the parent can go and have lunch with the child. That means that the parent can come and check in on the child from time to time. And that can make a, the difference between choosing to work with a company or not choosing to work for a company. Back to you, Rob. Good. So uh, what does it mean for workers themselves? So what's different? I'm glad you asked. That's a great question. The implications for workers of the great resignation are that first and foremost, they are back in the driver's seat. They get to choose who they want to work for, when they want to work, how they want to work. They have many, many more choices than they did before. Back in 2000, I think it was like three, I co-authored a book called How to Choose Your Next Employer. And the reason that we wrote that book, and it was all the information in our book, How to Become an Employer of Choice, turned inside out and uh, looked at from the worker perspective 
So what that said was, you are now in the driver's seat. You are in a position to choose your next employer, choose wisely. And of course, in that particular book, we looked at different, uh, different areas that people could look at when they are evaluating the employer that they will choose to, to sign up with and choose to be engaged with every day and perhaps even choose to leave if the employer is not doing the right things. Yeah, so we talk about families, we talk about employees, so let's talk about employers. So uh, what should they do or uh, how differently should they behave under the conditions of the great reshuffling? This is a major disruption for employers. And the reason is that they're not accustomed to having to give more. For years, they got away with not raising wages, with something I've written about recently called de-leveling. And de-leveling is when you hire someone on, but you hire them at a level or two lower than what they're actually capable of doing. Then and you tell them, well, we want to see what you can do. We want you to prove yourself before we give you that higher status. But then what happens is that the employee joins, they see what that employee can do. They immediately give that employee more and more responsibility the employee is functioning at that higher level and not being paid at that higher level. And then they postpone and postpone and postpone giving the raise. And what results is very unhappy employees. I urge employers don't engage in de-leveling. It, it is... In the short term, it may make sense to you, but in the long term, you're going to end up losing an employee who could have been extremely valuable to you. It also means that employers need to look at their competition. They need to look at what are other employers who are perhaps in the same industry, hiring the same people at the same level. What are they offering in terms of pay, in terms of benefits, in terms of vacation, in terms of childcare, in terms of wellness, in terms of mental health support, all of these different areas. And if an employer is not at the same level or higher, than others, they are going to have a much, much more difficult time attracting and hiring the people that they're looking for. All righty. So let's uh, change subjects a little bit. I'd like you to share with me and the audience, what are some of the trends or emerging trends, I should ask, in employment that you see? The first one 
which is the most interesting, is that benefits are shifting. And I've written about this in my Herman Trend Alert. And anyone who's watching is welcome to go to www.hermantrendalert.com and sign up for it. And I've written about how benefits are now more personal. And those are the ones that really make a difference. The ones that involve more time with, with families, the ones that involve giving something that can be shared with a family. For instance, if a person has done a particularly good job, uh, instead of uh, what we used to do, which is the boss would invite the, the couple the, the worker and significant other out to dinner. Instead, now we know what works is giving that whole family a, a, an evening out together or giving them a day at a local uh, amusement park so that they can all enjoy being together. And what that also does is it bonds the family to the employer and that can be very valuable when people are considering jumping to another job. Can you imagine that the family would say, oh no, don't leave them. We love going to the amusement park, to Dreamland or to Six Flags or whatever the heck it was. Uh, so suddenly you have more allies. Now, let me go back to some trends. So employers are struggling with remote and hybrid work. They're, the, the challenge is that most people are really looking for remote work right now. It, in a, a recent survey, 49%, and that's not most, but if, if truth be told, Practically everybody would prefer not to have to leave the house. Well, some of us miss that social interaction. But 49% of the people in that survey said that they were, were looking for jobs with remote work. Yet only 5% of the jobs that were listed online were characterized as remote work. So there's this tremendous disconnect. There's also some really misguided employers who are thinking that everybody needs to come into our congregate workspace. We all need together, need to work together so that people can see each other and, and we will spur creativity and people will enjoy being together again. When in fact, what we're seeing is that that is not necessarily true. The other trend, which is really huge, is that given all of these challenges and especially the mental health uh, condition that people came out of COVID with, that the most important characteristic that leaders can exhibit is empathy. That empathy is, it, it's just, uh, it, it has an immeasurable value because if people feel like my boss really understands me, 
the leaders of this organization really care about me and my future, that means that it will translate into much lower employee turnover. And you remember we talked about the great reshuffling? Well, that turnover, that churning is extremely expensive. In fact, there are many annual reports which for years talked about the low uh, employee turnover, the high retention rate among employees, because employee turnover is, is very expensive when you think about the, uh, the costs of interviewing, training, onboarding, um, bringing people up to speed with the intellectual capital that they need to know in order to really do their job at an optimum level. It's just, it's enormous, the costs. And so when leaders step up and they exhibit that empathy, it reduces that employee turnover and therefore drives profit. And that's what we need. Wonderful. We talk a little bit about what just happened, what's going on, what are the emerging trends. But I really want to know is where are we headed? I would like to hear your thoughts on the future of work. Well, that's I, I'm I'm so glad you asked that question, Ram, because that is um, one of the big areas that I feel very invested in, in talking about and in working with leaders about. Uh, the future of work will be, yes, we will embrace technology, but it will also be a culture in which we understand the value that employees bring that, and, and this, supermarket chain actually calls employees partners, which elevates their, even in the, in the speaking, it elevates their understanding of the value that those employees bring to the job every single day. We're also looking at the possibility of a four-day work week. Now, if you're in a service industry or if you're in a blue-collar position, it's, it's a little different when we're talking about a four-day work week. But if you're talking about blue-collar, I'm sorry, white-collar working, it's, I think that we're going to see the four-day work week really catch on. Now, there are some, some guys in the United States, uh, uh, namely Thomas Haw Michael Hogg and Brian Gorman and Tony Canisi, who all talk about the four-day work week. And when I interviewed them, uh, what they said was, yes, uh, Europe is way ahead of us, by the way, way ahead of us in that regard. And what they're talking about when they work with employers is it's a mindset. It's a mindset of putting the employees first, of, of putting their relationships that matter to them first. 
And that can make a huge difference in that employee turnover, in driving profit. Um, I, I also very strongly believe, and I'm going to put in a, a small plug for my new book that's coming out soon, uh, that companies will understand the value of delivering positive experiences to all of their stakeholder groups, not just employees and customers, because it's the suppliers and vendors, it's the families of employees, it's the families of customers, it's all of these different stakeholder groups that can contribute to the bottom line of the organization when you engage them at a higher level. And whether you're talking about engaging shareholders the way uh, the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett does, or you're talking about engaging suppliers and vendors the way ST Lauder does, or you're talking about engaging families uh, the way the, the cereal manufacturers do, it all works together. And there are very few companies that are already understanding how this can make a profound difference in, the, in how the whole organization works. One of those companies is a company called Sedgwick. And across the board, their brand is Caring Counts. And whether they're talking about talking with suppliers or vendor, suppliers and vendors or employees or customers, that is their slogan, Caring Counts. And they demonstrate that in everything they do. And that's why that organization has been so successful. And for years, it earned the employer of choice designation year after year after year after year until employer of choice was not able to give them the, the questionnaire in Chinese. <laughs> They expanded across the globe with that attitude. And that attitude is what's going to make the difference for them and for all employers as we move into the future. Oh, wonderful. Now, uh, how about the people? I mean, there's a bunch of people graduating now and you're looking at this marketplace and listening to your, your words about the marketplace of the future. How can they best prepare for this future marketplace? The, my best advice to the students is to look at how they can find an internship, whether it's, and most internships now, by the way, are paid. <laughs> uh, and, and that's because we have laws. I mean, in the United States, we have laws in the United States against uh, the slave labor that uh, that some companies used to bring on uh, because now either companies in the US have to deliver value to the employ to their interns or they have to pay them and the smartest companies are doing both 
And they're doing both because that predisposes that intern to working there when they graduate. And it's a really, really smart thing to do for the employer. And it's a really smart thing to do for the, for the intern and student as well. The student can also think of uh, the, the industry that they want to go into as a course and do their research, do their homework, learn as much as they can about as many people in that industry as they can. Go to conferences, interact with the, the, the movers and shakers in the industry, let them know that you want to get into their industry. What you might end up doing if you actually can go to a conference is finding a mentor in that industry who will help you by shepherding you through your career. Young people today have a level of opportunity that we have not seen in years. And it's in part due to that great reshuffling, that great resignation. Wise companies are looking to hire young, talented, creative young people who can really make a difference and who want to make a difference in their organizations. Well, all righty. I think, uh, you know, we discussed lots of important trends in the marketplace as well as some great strategies. Thank you for the advice. Uh, Joyce, it has been such a great conversation. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Ron. Folks, thank you for joining us today. We hope you learned something new about the future of work. Please share your comments with us. So and, let me and Ron, let's not forget to ask them because we have this segment that's coming up beginning with our next episode. And it's called, I'm Glad You Asked. And if you have questions that you'd like me to answer on screen, I'm happy to do so. If I get so many questions that I can't answer them all on screen, I'll be sure to, make, to send you the answer anyway. Thanks. So folks, looking forward to, I'm glad you asked. So let's see a few words about uh, the upcoming shows. So in episode number two, the future of living spaces, we will discuss how the economy is affecting where people live, go over some implications for tenants, for landlords, for homeowners, and hear Joyce's forecast for the future of real estate. In episode three, the future of hospitality, we'll discuss how hoteliers have emerged from COVID and workforce shortages uh, go over some implications for travelers and hoteliers alike. And here, Joyce's forecast for travel lodging. In episode four, the future of supply chain, we will discuss why are my supermarket shelves still empty? Go over some implications for consumers and for producers. And finally, here, Joyce's perspectives on the future of the supply chain. Again, folks, uh, thank you so very much for your being here with Joyce and I. Remember, 
if you're watching this show on Futures Television as a podcast or as a recorded event in one of the social media platforms, you too can be part of the conversation. Watch for the links on this video so you can continue the conversation on our YouTube channel. And I hope to see you again on another episode of It's Your Future with Joyce Joya. And I will leave you with our institutional message. Thank you. It's your future with Joyce Joya. Want to know what's coming and how to prepare for it? This show is for you. Armed with this information and these insights, our host Joyce Joya will help you make better decisions both personally and professionally. Joyce will cover all the trends, from social to economic, to workforce, and more. You will have a chance to get your questions answered in a segment we call, I'm Glad You Asked. This is one show you can't afford to miss. Now on Futures Television. It's your future with Joyce Joya.